This is the Safari. The Safari is a tour around the consumer, brand, and retailing industry. And we have the great privilege here at my company, Traub, to really be exposed to many of the great minds of the industry who are forming and shaping the future of many different parts of the consumer brand and retail world. And I felt it was quite interesting for us to be able to not only learn from all of those people as we do every day, but uh, memorialize it into a podcast which could then be shared with many of our friends and clients and, and you, obviously, the listener. Everyone likes to talk about incumbent businesses and brands being chipped away at by contender brands. And this next conversation with the CEO of Signature Brands, Jared Constanti, is really about showing how one can pivot very quickly to take a business that, let's call it, is based in the uh, plumbings and principles of the 20th century management style and turn it upside down and inside out. And Jared, who's been now the CEO of this business, which has brands that are 140 years old, like Paws, which is the Easter egg decorating company, the Betty Crocker cake decorating business, as well as Pumpkin Masters carving kits, is all about creating memories that matter and um, getting to the why of their, of their business and of their brands. So um, let's get started. Jared. Thank you for joining us on the safari. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is fun. On this uh, rainy New York day up from Ocala, Florida. Mm. Tell us, what do you do? Why do you live in Ocala, Florida <laughs> or nearly live in Ocala, Florida? It's the center for celebrations with signature brands, of course. There we go. So, Jared, well, thanks for coming. CEO of Signature Brands, uh, which is the... Why do you tell us a little bit about Signature Brands and, and your background? Yeah, so Signature Brands is a, a business that has a few components to it, but they all ladder to celebrations large and small. So we've got a, a decorating business that decorates cakes, cupcakes. We've got a Easter egg decorating business under the Paws brand, a pumpkin carving business, and a holiday popcorn business. Uh, but you add them together and you get quite a nice scale and size of business and uh, really productive and a, a very bright future, lots of runway for the, for the brands. So you've been um, in the CPG space pretty much all your career, career right? Yeah, yeah, about twenty-five years. Where, where did you? Where, what were the experiences? So prior you've had? to uh, Signature Brands, I worked for a popcorn company. The brand was Popcorn Indiana. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a private equity-owned situation of a sort of a fixed restructure and sell. And prior to that, uh, I led the snack division of Pepperidge Farm for about five years. Uh, large business, about a billion and a half. Great brands like Goldfish. Goldfish. Milano, Everybody knows Goldfish. And yeah, Milano, yeah. Milano cookies and chocolate chunk. So great brands, uh, a lot of fun uh, businesses because these are moments of, of joy, even though they're small throughout the day. And so um, that was a lot of fun with great brands to, to, to address that. And prior to that, uh, Ocean Spray Cranberry for about 12 years in the U.S. and Europe and Asia and Latin America and all over. Yeah. And so when we met um, Signature Brands for the first time, I remember my my partner, who you know very well, Jeff Lurie, saying that this is a happy company. Well, at the time, it might not have been quite as happy as it is today, uh, which is now a year a year on. But you know, things have 
changed incredibly for the better at, at Signature Brands. But maybe give a little bit um, of, of a story to everyone listening about what it takes to take a business that is a very healthy business, but nonetheless one that was um, maybe not performing as, as well as it should have been. Um, and uh, what, do you, what did you do to bear hug this company and get it to where it is today, which is a a remarkable transformation, uh, and I would say a case study in how to uh, bear hug a business, bring it back to its feet, and give it vision, and and take it into into the next uh, into the next years. Um, because you know, understanding the consumer today, understanding the landscape, understanding all the different opportunities that are, are available to business builders, you know, it, it's sometimes not obvious. And so, maybe some of the tools that you use to to really jazz everyone up and um, and even jazz yourself up for, for this opportunity to, to run this amazing brand. Yeah, I, I think I'd start with the, the company. Uh, the company was uh, in uh, good shape from a profitability standpoint, but was struggling with trajectory. So it had a, a number of years of, uh, of, of decline and had some real challenges in terms of profit uh, trajectory, but overall a healthy business. Um, the second thing that became very clear was that the culture was really tough. Uh, the business had been run remotely, uh, not given a lot of love and care and attention. It was a, you know, perhaps not a strategic part of a previous portfolio. And so um, the second thing that we, I did was just jump into the people. Mm-hmm. Because whether you're talking about a company or you're talking about a brand or you're talking about an outcome, people do everything. And so the people at Signature Brands um, had just not felt loved and cared for and given a lot of attention and support. So the culture, the, the culture of the, the place. culture was just—it was tough. I mean, people were just uh, kind of in their um, in their caves, kind of hiding uh, from each other. There were a lot of silos and that type of thing. And so we tried to just pull people out of that and, and inspire them with uh, a very simple blueprint for the future. Uh, we call it our strategic blueprint. And uh, once we got people really excited about that based on a a very fact-based and deep uh, situation assessment sort of path forward, then we could get into the advancement of the business strategy, and that really started with the consumer. And so um, because consumers decide everything, (laughs) people decide everything, we really needed to dive in and understand how people were thinking and behaving with respect to our businesses. And we learned a couple of really important things that have shaped strategy going forward and have already really seemed to take in hold. But I just can't can't emphasize enough how important it is to understand consumer behavior Um, because most of the decisions that that humans make are emotional uh, and because the language center of our brain is not connected to the emotion uh, center of our brain, you have to watch behavior, uh, not what I say, but what I do. So one of the first things you did, I think, was to go listen, right? You, so big, big customer insight studies and going personally to listen to everything they said and body language. and Yeah, and importantly, we, with a focus on what they did and why they said they did it. Uh, so the learning that comes out of that type of work is just uh, so valuable. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of folks that don't do it. It's critical. It's the only way to run a railroad, in my view. And we discovered quite a lot. And and frankly, a lot of what we discovered was steering us to places that were counter to what others in the categories that we're playing in are doing. And so we're excited about the direction we're taking as a result. But the consumer decides everything. And to ignore that is uh, is a bad path. So um, this is effectively the Halloween edition 
And who cool. better to have than you to speak about <laughs> Halloween? Because you are the pumpkin master. That's right. The pumpkin master is with us. Uh, why are you the pumpkin master? And tell us a little bit about your other celebration businesses. Sure. So uh, we've got a uh, Halloween pumpkin carving business called Pumpkin Masters. And, you know, there's a lot of pumpkins that are uh, that are um, shared and used at, at Halloween. But um uh, and, a, and a big portion of those are carved. And so our business is designed to allow real artisanal sort of creative expression uh, in a pumpkin. Gone are the days of the the, the buck tooth and the uh, triangular eye. This is really about designing and creating a special and exciting pattern and, and face or even scene on the front of a pumpkin. Um, it's uh, interestingly, it's a more of a male behavior. This is more of a dad kind of a gig um, with kids. Um, it's messy, it's it's fun, but it's also very creative. And of course, there's sharp knives involved and sharp tools. So our business is one that allows really exciting creative expression. Most importantly, though, it's about the moment with mom, dad, and child. And it's a moment to take a pause from everyday life. It's a moment to put down the electronics. Uh, all of our products require two hands, and that's something that we're really excited about because it brings that family together, even for a little while, uh, around a celebration of Halloween. So uh, it's a great business. It's a, a real opportunity for families to connect because it's really about the moment. Uh, yes, you can display your pumpkin proudly, and then the pumpkin eventually rots and you throw it away, but that moment lasts forever. So let you let out your inner artist uh, exactly. once a year, right? Yeah, exactly. And so um, you also have uh, Paws, which is the Easter equivalent of Pumpkin Masters. Right. Talk a little about that. I mean, Paws is a 140-year-old business, which is the uh, probably the most, it, it probably some people say it owns it owns Easter, but does it? <laughs> well, look, uh, our team is very proud of the fact that we have such a high share of Easter egg decorating. Uh, I think we've got a 75% share of Easter egg decorating. But my very first question for that team was, what's your share of Easter? Because Easter has turned into a month-long celebration of family fun, of decorating, um, and and celebrating, uh, it's clearly got a religious component to it, as Christmas does. But there's really again another time, like with Halloween, where the family gets together and decorates. And it's not just the eggs; it's the house, it's the front yard, it's uh, tabletop, it's craft. So where the pause business plays in is uh, deeply steeped, obviously, in Easter as as a brand, and deeply steeped in behavior uh, with Easter egg decorating. Uh, and and what we're doing is taking the brand to really push out into Easter because it's uh, turning into Christmas with respect to the time and energy um, and, and frankly resources that are dedicated to the celebration of the holiday in the house and really just bringing that magic to life. Uh, the Paz brand really owns the crafting component to Easter. Uh, there's so much sugar sold at Easter, um, yeah, it's whether terrible. it's confection it's, I mean, or marshmallow or whatever. Same and, with Halloween, I guess, as well. So yeah, fair enough. Um, but what, where we play in holiday – is where we like to think and where our consumers tell us is a very virtuous, peaceful place mm -hmm. that's about memories of parent and child that last a long time and that, frankly, parents tell us they hope imprint on the child so the child then when they have a family can carry on the yeah. tradition. But for Paz, look, it's, um, it's a lot of fun to decorate. It's peaceful. It's calming. It's something that lasts for weeks and weeks, and uh, we're proud to be a part of that celebration too. Yeah, I guess, and it gets people to slow down a little bit. It does. It does. The... Sugar rush of Easter, it, 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 moms talk about it with this frenzy and sort of frenetic pace that happens when the kids are all wired up. Uh, pause Easter egg decorating and all the crafting work we're doing uh, moving forward from an innovation standpoint is really 
bringing a peace and calmness and simple moment. Again, electronics down, two hands to decorate. Yeah. So speaking of decorating, the largest business is your cake decorating business. Um, the the work you did for the the, the two P the two Ps, or I guess the three Ps, we'll get to that later, but the two of the three Ps, which are pumpkin and pars, you also did for, for, for Betty Crocker, which is your hero uh, brand, uh, along with Cake Mate. Uh, t- talk a little bit about how the insights poured into those businesses. Sure. So one of the things we learned right away was that 70% of households uh, bake with some kind of mix that they can do themselves. But only 8% of households uh, use our decorating products. And so we really set out to understand why that was. And what we found was that the biggest issue that moms uh, and dads, but mostly moms face when they're using these products, is that the images out there in the universe for decorating are this Pinterest perfect... Perfection. Just, frankly, not practical. Uh, And so what we heard a lot of from moms, including body language and language choice, is just a frustration of, you know... I know if I try to do that, I'm going to disappoint myself. And you know what? There's enough failure in my life, enough disappointment in my Mm -hmm. life. I don't want to be disappointed again, so I'm just (laughs) not even going to try. I'm going to throw frosting on that cake, and we're going to eat it. And so uh, we've developed an approach and a strategy that we're activating against now where we're making decorating very simple and straightforward. And frankly, again, just like our other businesses, all about that moment of parent and child fun. And it doesn't need to be... um, heroics. It doesn't need to be this elaborate three-tiered piping fondant uh, design. It can be quite simple because whether it's perfect or imperfect, A, it tastes the same, and B, the moment with your child is the same, and, and you've had a fun, relaxing moment. Again, electronics down, two hands in. So it's just an, another component to the portfolio that's about a little moment of celebration, a little moment of fun. It's a rainy day afternoon on a weekend. Uh, it's about baking. It's about decorating, and, and it's playful. And it's just simple and pure and, again, chill. And, and that yeah. moment's really what matters. So it's about the journey, not the destination. That's exactly right. And so I think, isn't it 69 minutes that people uh, sort of sit around the table on average at one sitting to do – either baking or decorating or carving or, or whatever it may be? Yeah, you, you take about an hour. And, and instead of spending $100 at the movies for a family of four these days, uh, you know, you spend 5 or $10 and you have a wonderful experience. You laugh. It's a bargain. It's a little messy. It's a little fun. You know, when, when parents are with their children, they allow themselves to act a little more childlike, and that's fun too. So there's a theme in all of these things, I think, that is really about uh, the f- family values and getting people together and getting off the internet maybe and uh, and sort of not being locked in one's own room, uh, staring down at one's navel and one's phone. Um, so th- that theme, therefore, you know, the why of signature brands. Talk talk a little bit about that. It's interesting. One of the quotes we heard from one of the moms we spoke to was that electronics were the enemy of family time. And so um, I think there's a lot of a, there's a lot of desire to be together and and everyone's quite busy these days, overscheduled children and parents and traveling and all the rest. And so those little moments of connection are really important because it reminds you why you became a family in the first place. And so what we found was that as we started talking about these ideas of connection and talking about ways to really begin to amplify that, we found a a huge movement and energy in the room from people in a positive way. 
And along the way, we declared as a company that our purpose is very much centered around this idea. Our purpose is to help craft family memories that matter. It's why we get out of bed every day, whether it's a sprinkle on a cupcake or a color on an egg or a cool design on a pumpkin. It's about those little moments that are memorable, uh, that really um, matter for the long term, but in the in the moment they're small. And, and that's, frankly, the best way to have impact is to make it simple, but make it really important. And that's what we do and that we're really proud to be a part of. So I remember there's a story you told me about when you went around the room when you first arrived asking everybody what it is that we do here and maybe tell everyone what, what everyone was saying and then what you ended up saying at the end. Yeah, you know, it was a helpful exercise to clarify um, the point. But um, if you ask what business we're in or if you ask what we do, and particularly when we started this journey, the answers ranged all over the map. You know, we make popcorn, we sell sprinkles, we make sugar. Um, these are manufacturing uh, and, and sort of commercial interests. Uh, yes, we do those things, just like we make money. But that's not why we get out of bed every day. It's the, the Simon Sinek framework of why and the golden circles. And, and so we started really pushing on the consumer orientation is critical. Consumers decide everything. So we better understand how consumers think and feel about us. How can we make the absolute best uh, solution and address uh, that real attitude and behavior? And, and that purpose of helping to craft family memories that matter really, really nails it. Of course, that took us days and days and hours and hours in session to come up with the, the perfect articulation. But once we landed on this very, very clear, and we've lived by that now for uh, the better part of this year, and it really makes a big difference. For those who don't know Simon Sinek, uh, explain a little bit about who he is and and, and the Golden Circles. Sure. So uh, Simon Sinek is, um, I suppose, an industry guru who, who specializes in consumer behavior, uh, consumer dynamics, psychology, and how it applies to really everyone from your consumers to your uh, employees and your associates. He's also very focused on leadership. As a result, I'm probably leaving a whole number of things out. But importantly, he focuses on why uh, we do what we do and, and, and why it matters. And so the notion of the Golden Circles is um, really a balance of uh, a focus on the purpose-driven company, and ultimately, I believe the line is, people don't care what you do, they care why you do it, and what you do is a product of what you believe, and ultimately, that's what people really lock into, because if they can understand what you believe, and if they believe what you believe, then you'll make beautiful music together, and it's critical from a leadership standpoint, it's critical from a strategic standpoint, as well as just a pure consumer and business development standpoint to understand all those layers. Using that as a, a sort of jumping off point to talk about team building and, and leadership, the the business, as you referenced earlier, uh, once upon a time was pretty siloed and very quickly you knocked down walls. Um, but describe how you do that. I mean, it's very easy to say, I'm going to knock down walls and I want to come in and uh, make everyone hug each other. But what do you, does one do step by step uh, to... Uh, to to start um, fostering communication, it could even be the physical plant. I mean, the, the offices. Maybe give a few practical examples that others could copy, so that, so that people in completely different areas of the business can actually hang out and know each other. Yeah, I think there's a, f a few simple pieces there. The, the, you know, the, what we found when we started 
was that um, virtually everyone had an office with a door that was often closed. Um, so that's a physical reality. We also found that people were sort of pushed to behave and think only in silos and only in my area. And that was causing some really bad decision-making and really uninformed um, sort of choice. And so the very first thing I did to try to change this was force a rule that I call one discussion. So there were many individual discussions going on about a topic or an outcome, but no decision-making in the end, no, no informed final view. And so what we did was we implemented this one discussion rule, which was if there's a question or an issue or an opportunity, let's get everyone that's involved in this conversation in one room. Let's hear your points of view, your recommendation. We'll make a decision and we'll move on. And what that did was it demonstrated a couple of quick things. One, everyone would be heard and needs to be heard. Two, everyone needs to understand each perspective so we can make an informed decision. And three, this is how we're going to run this railroad. We're going to talk to each other. We're going to engage each other. We're going to ask lots of questions. We're going to come to a decision, and then we're going to move on with that decision made. So everyone felt heard, and what it immediately started fostering was many more discussions. Doors were now open. People were now in public spaces talking because that was what we needed to do to get all the perspectives on the table and make the best informed decisions we can. And what about plan, sort of forward planning of gatherings? Does that, how do you think about that? Sure. So we have a number of touch points. Uh, it's critical that our associates know what's going on and know where we are, where we're going, and how we're doing against our plan. And so we have a, a two-year plan, rolling two-year plan of touch points, both with the leadership team, with our full associate team, with our sales and marketing teams, and beyond to make sure that the information is getting out, including our plan associates. Uh, so every quarter we are meeting with every associate in some format or another where we are sharing with them how we're doing, what's coming up, what are the critical priorities, what are the critical performance expectations. And so those communication routines, now that we've been in them for a period of time, just really get everyone on the same page in terms of what we're all about, what our strategies are, what our plans are, how our performance is shaping up for the, this year and, and the most recent period, what's coming up in the next quarter and so on. So those connection routines also really foster an open communication and open dialogue because now people are aware of who's working on what and what's upcoming. And the final thing that I'd say is uh, we're going through a bit of an office renovation. Yeah, I was just thinking um, about that. So we are opening the office up a bit. I think the... Uh, happy happy company renovation. Happy company, yeah. So we're opening it up a bit, a lot more space, a lot more collaboration, a lot more communication, not all the way to open floor plan, but uh, there'll be some privacy, but a lot more open sunlight, communication, and fun. So we're looking forward to having that be uh, ready to enjoy. There's a big uh, central focus area called the fun zone, which is very much about collaboration and uh, relaxation and possibility and ideation. It's, it's going to be great. So going now to uh, the the business, the the industry a little bit more uh, and talking about the shifts that are happening uh, as we come to the end. The um, incumbents are all being chipped away at by these little piranhas who are uh, in number actually causing some damage over the last 10 years. One of the things that I find so interesting about Signature Brands is that it could be perceived by some as an incumbent because it, part of it has been around for 140 years. Uh, another part of it is Betty Crocker, which is a household name as well. Um, but it's nonetheless a relatively small business. Um, and 
That said, uh, it was built and was being run uh, as a an incumbent business with a very a corporate structure that was quite old fashioned, quite twentieth century. The thing that I found interesting about it from the beginning and 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 you going into the business was trying to at least philosophically have a business that uh, was incumbent, profitable, great company. Um, but how could you give it some contender topspin by bringing in a culture and bringing in a team who would be able to bring in some of the things that are happening, you know, the, the things that the piranhas are doing? Um, how do you see that dynamic? Do you agree? Um, uh, and um, and how, how does it play out for your company and for many others out there who might be able to follow your lead? Yeah, I think a couple of thoughts uh, rush to mind here on that one. The first is that um, companies that are large um, often focus on risk mitigation versus advancement, innovation, and winning. Um, in our case, because we had large market share of the segments we played in, there was definitely a perspective of uh, a focus on risk mitigation to avoid downside. And one of the major things we've done is we've changed that perspective. I used the example earlier on pause where we, we have a 75 share of Easter egg decorating, but a, you know, 1% share of Easter. Yeah. Well, that humbles uh, quickly. Uh, th that really changes the perspective. When you start to look at 99% household penetration that, that we don't have in an area, that makes you pretty humble, pretty hungry. And it also opens up the mind to possibility of innovation and risk-taking. Mm -hmm. And so that's been the fundamental change. And that's been true for our decorating business, our pause business, our pumpkin business, and our popcorn business. We are much smaller than we thought we are. <laughs> we are much less developed than perhaps the mindset mm -hmm. suggested we were. And so we're thinking like the underdog that we are. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we are much more innovative, much more creative, and much more, uh, much more risk for appetite. So as you look at the, the center aisle and as you look at the need for activation, um, how do you see uh, signature brands and its portfolio of, of, of businesses and brands um, as a solution to waking up uh, the physical plant? So the categories in which we play are seasonal, in and out generally. Decorating is, is year-round, but it certainly gets a heavy support at the holiday time frame. The, the number one thing that we have done and will do in a much bigger way moving forward is disrupt in-store. Mm -hmm. um, number one reason for someone buying a product is they saw it on display. So you've got to be present. You've got to be in the way. But you've got to be in the way with an interesting idea or an interesting story. And so we are creating uh, visual stimulation that articulates our strategy for uh, disruption in decorating with simple recipe ideas. But importantly on display it's that simple we're in the package goods humans humans have, to, humans have to walk down an aisle and buy our stuff and the best way to get them to do that is to demonstrate how humans would do that in a way that's simple and low pressure and quite easy for everyone to do so it's really about disruption with display and it's about disruption with imagery and positioning in store uh, it's also about telling your story everywhere you can, whether it's traditional or non-traditional media. It's about making sure that story is compelling and relevant, which we've done based on the consumer insights we've done. And then the final piece, of course, is innovation. Uh, the innovation that we are launching here now for the next few years is very much focused on making that idea, that de decorating idea in particular, 
simple and therefore compelling for mom, dad, and child to have a fun little moment while they decorate a cookie or a cake. So you've, uh, you're locked and loaded. You have an incredible team that you've assembled over the last few months. Uh, the business is doing well. You're celebrating all through the year. Um, what's, what's next? What are the channels, the geographies? How do you, how do you see the methodical takeover of the world? <laughs> well, I think the, the other humbling thing that, that became very clear early on was that, uh, particularly with our decorating business, which is a good portion of our business, um, we effectively only had about 50% of the distribution possible in the United States. So a big thrust for us is to expand our distribution base on de our decorating business beyond that 50%. There are whole channels that we are void in. Uh, so we are very substantially activating plans to broaden that distribution. We are substantially activating plans to build an innovation pipeline against these strategies that obviously are very uh, steeped in consumer insight and driven by consumer insight. And then the final piece is uh, international. We are really looking, uh, we've got some footprint in Canada, some footprint in Mexico, but we really want to push into those markets that make sense for us, Europe, Caribbean, and so on, that uh, are, are, are very appealing, very attractive, make lots of logical sense, and, and yet we're just not there. So it's international distribution, domestic distribution, innovation, in-store activation, consumer activation, but really all against a fundamental truth, which is that the consumer decides everything. And to activate against that consumer insight is the only way to win, in our view, and, and so far, so good. So at the, at the end of the day, though, uh, in this kind of business, you're really a marketing company too, right? Obviously, you create product and, and you're in the food manufacturing business, but you have to be incredible marketers. Um, how does, in, in this day and age, uh, digital marketing, e-commerce, Amazon, JD.com, uh, Jet.com, you know, Walmart.com, I mean, it's all, you know, is it, all, is it um, nice to have but not necessary? You're in the impulse business, so presumably they grab stuff off shelf still. Uh, how do you look at digital marketing, e-commerce, that whole other side of, well, not really another side, it's really kind of become everything, but maybe not in every case. I think there's one simple guiding light there, which is that it's all a simple yet connected ecosystem that to a consumer, again, starting with the consumer, is fluid for them. Whether And think about yourself, whether you're shopping with your phone, your iPad, whether you're walking down the street to a store, it's fluid for you. And so we have to be fluid with the consumer and be available where the consumer is going to shop for our stuff. And people that view it as independent threads often get lost. You've got to have a consistent brand positioning, a consistent strategy, a consistent innovation program. And you just need to be available where the consumer wants to shop for your stuff. And of course, that means you need to know where that is and then be present where they are and make it easy. Mm -hmm. There's a ton of work behind doing that, and that's an easy flip sort of answer, but it is true. Uh, we are working right now to make exactly that reality come true. Uh, there is a ton of work behind it, but in the end, it's not a whole separate thing. It's just part of life now. And so we've got to be fluid with it. We've got to be where they are and where they're going, and we are well on our way in the next 6 to 12 months to being present everywhere we need to be. For you. And the so last question, if there were um, feedback that you'd like to give um, some of the biggest retailers out there, if they were listening, what, what would it be about maybe your business or about how they should think about things a little differently or 
a little piece of free advice. <laughs> it's a dangerous question. We can cut this out. <laughs> Jesus, this needs to be edited for sure. <laughs> Uh, I do not envy them, to be honest. They have a very difficult job, particularly uh, the brick-and-mortar folks. But I would say that um, oftentimes in Center Store, for sure, what we see are uh, retailers still holding on to uh, priorities and choices that should really be reevaluated. Um, the example that I would go to is you know, our business, for example, is – um, very high in margin for the retailer. Uh, it is an impulse item, particularly with the decorating, uh, and, and yet the amount of display that we're getting in the way of support isn't always commensurate with what we feel is is, is what we should be doing, given our relative uh, profit profile. Gross margin per square foot. Yeah, exactly. We're small products. We're dense. We're high profit, and yet some of the you know other products in the store that take up lots of space and don't have as high of a dollaring and as high of a margin uh, for the retailer do get quite a lot of support. So, I think it's tough. I do not envy their position. They they are selling a lot of products, but uh, I think that's an opportunity, and we're working with our retailers now to try to demonstrate how much power and value there is in supporting our products with display. But they've got a tough. Uh, uh, they've got a tough assignment. You know, they're up against a lot of competition. Um, and frankly, there's no real new consumption. It's just shifting from, you know, a brick and mortar frame to an e-com frame or what, what have you. So uh, they have a tough a tough gig and they can't get to everything. So it's critical for any packaged goods player to really partner with retailers and bring those insights and try to drive that, ca- that category of thought leadership so we can win and they can win and it's a great partnership. Also, I think you told me that a decorating customer will by de facto need to buy other things in the store. And so they're sort of on average a better customer than, than decorate, the non-decorating customers. Yeah, the value of the basket of someone that has a decorating product in it is 10 times the value of a basket that doesn't. And it's because they're probably into food, they're into focusing on food and, and fun, um, and they're into uh, family time and making things a little special. And so as a result, they spend more and they're a great customer for the retailer and a great partner with us. Well, I think this, there's there's no better uh, place to end that uh, this conversation. I think there's also no better place to publicly uh, yield to you as the better karaoke singer because we <laughs> went to karaoke the other day and I was talking a big game, but I have to say that your baritone like, knocked everyone's socks off and I had my tail between my leg, <laughs> my legs. So uh, you're definitely the better better karaoke singer. <laughs> and uh, thank you for uh, being on, on the safari. And uh, it's been just a great pleasure to have you. Likewise, thanks, morning. I want to take a second to explain to you why Traub is able to bring you the safari. We pride ourselves in being at the very center of a very global, very complicated consumer and retail landscape. And in our travels, as we help think, manage, and expand businesses in many different channels and geographies, we're able to meet and learn from some of the great minds in this industry, and it's really wonderful to be able to bring them to you. And in doing so, I hope that you, the listener, will be able to learn a little bit more about what we do at Traub as well. If you want to learn a little bit more about Traub, you can go to traub.io, where you'll learn a lot about everything that we do. If you're enjoying the safari, please do share it with your friends and colleagues within the industry. And please also don't forget to subscribe and like it.